Good morning. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Monday, January 18th, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And today, because of that holiday and the man it was created to honor, we're focusing our episode on just one big thing, how the newly elected Georgia Senator, Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock, is bringing King's legacy to the Senate. It's the first time we've had a member of the clergy in our Senate in four decades. And this particular senator, Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock, comes literally from the same pulpit that Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once occupied at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. They murdered Martin King. They tried to destroy his movement. But the other night, the people of Georgia, red, yellow, brown, black, and white, stood up and said, now is the time to send the pastor from his church and a young Jewish man to represent a state in the deep south. God is up to something in the world. There's a deep spiritual tradition of African-American ministers preaching a social gospel. It dates back to some of our earliest history as a nation. And it was made most famous by Dr. King. But what does that look like now, half a century later? Reverend Dr. Otis Moss III recently wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post that talked about Reverend Warnock being the man to, quote, bring the gospel back into public life. Reverend Moss is the pastor of Chicago's Trinity United Church of Christ. Hey, Reverend Moss, welcome back to Axios Today. Thank you. It is a delight to be with you. Can you tell me about the first time you heard Raphael Warnock preach? I was a freshman at Morehouse College. We were at the Martin Luther King Jr. International Chapel on Sunday morning, and a young man by the name of Raphael Warnock was the student preacher. And he spoke about let the trumpet sound and challenged all of us to let the trumpet sound by assisting and advocating for those who are vulnerable in our community. Advocating for the vulnerable is central to Raphael Warnock's identity. During the campaign, we saw him talking about the poor and vulnerable, much like he does in his preaching. His opponent, Kelly Loeffler, branded these teachings as extreme, socialist, and anti-American. My opponent, radical liberal Raphael Warnock, is a socialist. But we've heard this before. We actually heard this about Dr. King. And Otis Moss says that like King, Warnock's preaching is emblematic of the Black social gospel. It's a prophetic tradition that was shaped alongside slavery. And Warnock is squarely in its center. His preaching is in the mainstream of the Black prophetic tradition, the Black social gospel of the Black church. But what should be noticed is that Dr. King was given the same charge. In Louds County, Alabama, there was a billboard that had a picture of Dr. King sitting in a chair in a classroom, and they had a big arrow and a sign that said, here is Dr. King in a communist training uh, classroom, because they were claiming he was a communist. He was a Marxist. He was a socialist because he wanted to upend the segregation system and was speaking about these radical things like poverty and militarism and was pushing America to live up to uh, to its promises. The Sunday after Warnock was declared the winner of the Georgia runoff, he delivered a sermon at Ebenezer Baptist Church that drew a very clear line connecting his campaign to the unfinished work of Dr. King. You remember those iconic signs, I am a man. Well, the irony of this moment is that 
Martin Luther King Jr. went to Memphis to stand up for workers in 1968 who were standing up for the dignity of work and the dignity of workers. And here we are in 2020 and the minimum wage has less purchasing power in 2020 than the minimum wage had in 1968. That is a kind of violence that crushes on the humanity of poor people. One aspect of the social gospel is how public it is. What might be described as a very public witness that directly calls out these inequalities. Which is why I wanted to ask Reverend Moss how important it is when you're doing this to make the distinction between a moral imperative as opposed to a political one. Absolutely. It is a moral imperative. And the moral imperative out of the the African-American prophetic tradition raises questions about unrestricted capitalism, meaning just let the market do whatever the market wants to do, then where are our moral values? That means that Wall Street then defines our morals. That can't happen. So when you have the moral imperative, you lay the value system out, and then instead of the market determining your morals, the morals help then shape the market. As we're talking about how Warnock's religion influences his politics, I bet there are people listening who were thinking and worrying about the separation of church and state. How do you reconcile that? Well, it's it's a value statement when you're talking about a moral compass. I'm not trying to convert you. I'm trying to get you to live out to the values that you say that you believe. So if you believe that all people are equal, then I'm going to live it first and also press you to live out what you make the claim that you say that you actually live out. So black people have always been trying to save America's civic religion that the wider community has discarded and said it's only for certain people. Our civic religion being our our constitutional values that we claim and partially is in tatters at this moment. Reverend Moss, I wonder if you can put yourself in Raphael Warnock's shoes. As you said, you've been preaching colleagues for decades Do you think it's possible to keep that moral center, to keep that moral compass and still be an effective politician in the U.S. Congress? I think that's the only way that he can be an effective politician for the people who elected him in Georgia. They elected him because the residue of the King tradition rests on him. And there's an expectation, the residue of the John Lewis tradition. John Lewis, who comes out of that same tradition, rests on him and John Ossoff. There is an expectation that Raphael Warnock will be the one who raises questions about how we treat children. There is an expectation that he will be the one that will speak about healthcare. There is an expectation that he will remind us that the market should not define our morals, but we should have morals that realign how we view the market. Reverend Dr. Otis Moss III is the pastor of Chicago's Trinity UCC Church. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you very much. That does it for us. And later today, check your Axios Today feed because we'll be dropping the first episode of a brand new Axios podcast series. Jonathan Swan takes us inside the last days of the Trump administration with never-before-reported facts in the inside story of the past two months. It's called How It Happened, and I hope you listen. And I'll see you back here with the news tomorrow. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Stay safe, and thanks for listening.